to Bloomberg Philanthropies Follow the Data, our podcast about how we're driving change and making an impact in the areas of education, the arts, the environment, public health, and government innovation. I'm your host, Katherine Oliver. If this is your first time tuning into Follow the Data, you'll notice that every episode starts with a key data point to give insight into a challenge we're addressing through Bloomberg Philanthropies' unique approach. In today's episode, we're going to hear from a partner of our Women's Economic Development Program, which aims to create economic opportunities for women in growing industries. Since 2013, Bloomberg Philanthropies and our partner Sustainable Harvest have run a yearly training program teaching women farmers in post-conflict Rwanda how to produce and deliver high-quality coffee to buyers around the globe, while acquiring a clear path to being economically self-sufficient. Here's our data point for today. To date, more than 4,000 women have enrolled in and graduated from the Relationship Coffee Institute, created by Sustainable Harvest Incorporated and Bloomberg Philanthropies. The Institute's program trains women farmers in Rwanda on the production of high-quality coffee, and in just one year, sales reached $100,000. This is part of the overall training and education efforts sponsored by Bloomberg Philanthropies aimed at supporting Rwanda's national plan to bring their citizens into the middle class and enable local women to support themselves and their families. Now to tell us more about how our partners are working to improve women's economic development, we welcome Verna Eggleston with the Bloomberg Philanthropies Women's Economic Development Team and one of our program's partners, Christine Kondo of Sustainable Harvest Rwanda. So Christine, welcome to New York and welcome to Bloomberg Philanthropies. And it's been an incredible pleasure over two years working Um, in partnership with Sustainable Harvest to create the Rwanda Coffee Institute. Um, You being the lead agronomist and the woman in Rwanda leading an initiative where 4,000 women have been trained over two years, tell us a little bit about what that's been like. Yeah, thank you, Verna. I'm so grateful to be in New York, and I'm so grateful to be part of the program, the RCI program, uh, I'm an agronomist, and I wanna uh, talk a little about uh, the, about the program. So we work with 4,000 women in Rwanda, and then two years ago, when we joined, uh, we joined this groups of women. They are working under cooperative movement, and you know, these women they didn't know how to pick the cherry. They have been farmers for a long time, but the interesting thing because no one came to them and tell them about you have to pick the red cherry. They didn't know the correlation between uh, the ripe cherry and the quality. They didn't know the correlation between ripe cherry and money and revenue. So after two years, it's so incredible to see those women, how they are really improving in terms of their skills and in terms of uh, the mindset, in terms of business. So they are thinking now uh, as a business women. So with the program, we take them through those two, two years so they have been owning the coffee washing station. I, before that, they used to sell their coffee to the XYZ men and women cooperative or to the middleman, which they are site collectors. So they 
picked their cherry to the middleman, which is the site collector, and they didn't know about what's after. They didn't know about the old value chain. But after the program, they understand each and every step on the value chain in coffee. They know that I have to pick the red one because that the red one brings me more money. We just help them to upgrade the quality on their plantation. And they also, they also understand about the process, the coffee washing station process. So 40% of their production, the good quality came from the picking. And the 60% of increasing their revenue, it came from the processing. So they have to know, they know now how they can process coffee. And after two years now, these women, they are thinking like a business women. So they understand the language of buyers. They are able to talk about the, their test now. So they, you can tell them what is your coffee is testing so they can explain all the profile of their coffee. Because now they are aware about the agronomy technical, they are aware about the processing, and they are aware about the market. They are negotiating now with exporters. They are negotiating now with buyers. They know how to negotiate now because they are sitting each other and making the deal eyes to eyes, So, which is really interesting. So talk to me a little bit about value chain. What does that mean with coffee or in this initiative? What is the value chain? So value chain, it's uh, a process. So in coffee, when we are talking about the value chain, which means it's a different step, it's a process. So our beneficiary, the women, they have to understand, they have to be engaged on the, all the value chain. Because in the past, uh, these women, the challenge we used to have is the visibility, the engagement of women in the value chain. So for now, after three years, so these women, they are really engaged on all the process, all the steps. So they understand now coffee from the seeds. Because when you grow coffee, you start by seeds. So you put the seed on the lawns, and after three years, we have it coffee trees. And so they have to understand all the technical from the agronomy side. And after that, they also have to understand about the process. This cherry has to go to a developer machine, which is a coffee washing station. And this coffee has to be proceed. And how they have to proceed that? Because there is a different way of the procession. So, and after the procession, they have to mill that coffee. And after the milling, they have to export that coffee. Rwandan are not drinking coffee, so the 90% of the production is sold outside, around the world. So they have to understand that. And finally, they have to create a good relationship with their buyers. Who is buying that coffee? Bloomberg. We have to have a good relation with Bloomberg. Who is buying that? He's a European market. He's a European buyers. We have Slovakia, we have Supremo in Germany, so they are buying some of those women's coffee. We have, to have, we have Marriott, which is one of the hotels in the country. They have to build that relationship between farmers, the coffee, the, w the origin of coffee. So women, they have to tell the story behind the coffee. 
So that, that helps you to understand a relationship coffee institute. So, you know, and, you know, you say three years to grow a coffee tree, but this initiative has been in place for two years. And so when we arrived, of course, in our investment, women were already growing coffee. Yeah. So what was keeping that coffee from reaching the Marriott, getting to Germany, coming to the U.S., in, in, in being at Whole Foods, um, Pete's, you know, there was something that was happening in the value chain. And I'd imagine that this Rwanda, this Relationship Coffee Institute did something to impact that, which changed the way the coffee moved. Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, because, you know, uh, uh, Bloomberg Philanthropy, they came to partner with Sustainable Harvest Inc., which is uh, our founder. And so David Griswold, he has been uh, in coffee, this coffee business since a long time. And so he has been importing coffee from Rwanda since 2003. And then... Bloomberg, they met him, and then they say, okay, see, you are in Rwanda, and you want to see something, we can improve the life of women by increasing the quality of coffee, because coffee drives that like an economy of the country. So we have coffee, tea, and tourism. So that makes coffee, I think, since, since 2013, it's like increasing 30% of the exportation. And then uh, they create what uh, we call relation. Coffee Institute, which is like an institution of training. And they came back to Rwanda and we trained 4,000 women how they can improve the quality of their trees, how they can understand all this process of the value chain process, how they can make good quality, how they can think like business women in coffee business. Many of our listeners will never really understand that washing stations traditionally and most times, like that's a key part of the value chain. That's where people bring the, what they pick, they sell it, the quality of it has to be good. 40% of the taste of coffee is, you know, 40% of that is what cherries they pick and how they look. And now, right, you know, with this investment, now women own a washing station, you know, and it's not so much that women are denied the right to run a washing station, but because of the weight of the equipment and the the force of what you have to do with the washing station, now these women own a washing station um, and continue to invest in that washing station. So they are fully integrated in this value chain. Now, many times people ask me the question, well, how much are the women making? And it can never really be interpreted the way that we see income in the United States, money, dollars. There's a whole other part of this that um, has been kind of integrated in this program where you incentivize training, and you've done that with a premium share program. What's that premium share program do, and what, it's, what is it about? Like, what does that do? when uh, you can farmers are like implementing what they've been learning from classes from the training so once uh, the farmers they're like implementing what they learn from classes so they're gonna get points it's a program it's like the same thing you are doing here in the US you have this card you went to the supermarket and once you are buying like three or four or five item and you get redeemed for what we have been paying. And the same thing with premium sharing. It's another thing we are like 
seeing how we can improve, how this farmer, they can see the value on what they've been doing since long time. So we redeem them by doing what they learned from the classes. So once they're implementing some best agriculture practices, they get points. What kind of items can you get with the points? Like what are some of the items that once you have these points, what can you trade these points for? Yeah, for some of the items, we have many. We have the little sun, we have uh, the radio, we have cell phone, and we have fabric. So uh, we also have, because we are encouraging women to do uh, the organic manure, so we have some animals, goats on the assets. So women, they have choice. They have many choice. So from one to, to five points, they have different assets, like four assets. I'm sorry, I was supposed to bring the catalog, but uh, mm -hmm. from the five point to nine point, there's many assets. So they have a choice. So they have the choice to choose which asset will really impact my life at home. And it was really interesting because some of them, they're like choosing one asset and then they went back home. They're like calling our staff and say, I wanted to change my asset. I discussed with my husband and we thought that this would be really helpful for us. So they changed like from fabric to the little sand, which is really interesting, you know, because they have a choice, you know, you give them four to five choice and they make their choice. And then you can see that it's really impacting their life because, you know, they get the phone. Some of them, they are making money by their phone because they are selling this airtime. They're selling their credit to the neighborhoods. That's also another source of the income by having an asset like a cell phone. For others, like the little son, you know, it's bringing light to the house. It's bringing light. It's bringing energy to the family. You know, because they used to go to bed early. Now they have lights. They're staying long at home. They want to bed late so they can share stories. They are helping kids to make their homework. Uh, and they also can share that with the community, with their neighbors. So some of them, like the radio, you know, they are always aware about what is going on in the country. They are hearing news. The light is important because many people don't realize that there's actually five hours of daylight yeah. and all activity has to be compounded in those five hours. So Little Sun has been incredible in Rwanda, specifically in the rural areas. Tell us about one of those women. So, uh, yeah, so I want to just uh, share with you some story about uh, women. So one of the cooperative, uh, the first time when I joined Sustainable Harvest two years ago, so I went to the field. We work in the south and the east of the country. And when I was in the south, some of the, my interesting story, uh, when I met these women, I didn't realize that they would be enough for like that. So the age is between 50 years and 95 years old. So you know they are really old. But something really helped me uh, or excited me because when, you know, they have like five to six women, they are between 90 and 95. And so I have a discussion with one of uh, these women. She's the oldest one. She's 95. She's called Genevieve. And she told me, Christine, you know, I can pass away today, but at least I realized my dream. I'm a businesswoman now, you know. I was looking to be a businesswoman since a long time, but now I can achieve my dream. 
you know, I wake up each and every morning, even if I'm hurt, but I have to help. We have to think what is the next from our cooperative? What is our future? I, have, I can see my future. I don't, th I don't think about my age, but I have a future. I have a future. I have a plan. I know what I'm going to produce next year. And I know how much I'm going to sell my coffee. And I know what revenue I'm going to get for next time. I have a future. Now, what people, most people don't know is that, you know, training is not a natural process for farmers. I mean, there's no incentive for farmers to sit down and learn. And so what's interesting about the Bloomberg investment here is we decided or we thought that we can get the greatest impact by investing in the training. Now, around here at Bloomberg, we're very familiar with the taste of coffee. It's right now being served in 15 Bloomberg corporate offices. Who else is experiencing the taste and in what other countries? Yeah, so we, this coffee from these women, they've been sold in the U.S., in Europe, in Slovakia, in Munich, and so and in Rwanda too, in the, uh, East Africa also. So we have been sold this coffee in Uganda and Rwanda and Kenya. And we, the good thing also because we are going to promote uh, the taste. So we are making business with uh, uh, Rwanda Air, which is an uh, uh, airline flight from Rwanda. And we also make negotiations association with uh, Marriott Hotel, which is really in Rwanda. So they gone, it will be like Marriott, they gave us a testimony and saying that this will be the first time for us to buy coffee from this source. So which is really an interesting and empowering women and impactful because the people or customers or uh, because this hotel, they are bringing tourists. So they're going to drink the coffee from women, the coffee from the source. And so, and also, uh, we are broadly opening our doors. So we're going to bring, uh, you are drinking, uh, uh, at the Bloomberg offices, you are drinking uh, uh, women's coffee from Rwanda. But also uh, in Europe, we have some, they're like building some relationship between uh, their buyers there too, but also in East Africa. And one final question, you know, philanthropy can really talk about rarely um, in our field or in not-for-profit institutions talk about secondary impact. You know, we make investments, we have a target, you see that first impact, um, but, you know, can you give us some examples of some secondary impact that you've seen and, like, you know, it, on the family, on the country, on the nation. Um, give us some examples of what that secondary impact yeah, the secondary has been. The secondary impact I've seen here in the program, it's like, you know, uh, these women, they are make, uh, they are improving their quality from, the f from their plantation, but they also are uh, uh, doing that by implementing what they learn from the training and then from that, they also gave like a secondary uh, uh, impact, which is really uh, they are getting some assets, which is another revenue from the family, which is another revenue from the community, which is another revenue from the nation at the national level, because those assets they are getting from the tra because they have been implementing their training it's like a secondary impact because it impacts not only individual women but their family at the same time because uh, once they get that those assets you know some of the assets it's like a little son they're bringing light to the family they can share that asset to the community you know they're changing life not only at the family level but also at the community level 
Well, Mr. Bloomberg's mission for the philanthropy is impacting as many lives as possible. So we feel the impact. And we thank you for partnering with us and keep that impact going. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Vona. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode of Follow the Data. If you'd like to purchase coffee produced by the Relationship Coffee Institute, visit questioncoffee.com to buy direct. Thank you for listening and sharing in our mission at Bloomberg Philanthropies. Please follow us on Twitter at Bloomberg.org. That's Bloomberg, D-O-T-O-R-G, for information on our next episode. As our founder, Mike Bloomberg, says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Until next time, keep following the data. Special thanks to producers and editors Ivy Lee, Lindsay Firestone, and music composer Mark Pirro. 